Sermon text is Leviticus 11, verses 41 through 47. And every creeping thing that creeps on the earth shall be an abomination. It shall not be eaten. Whatever crawls on its belly, whatever goes on all fours, or whatever has many feet among all creeping things that creep on the earth, these you shall not eat, for they are an abomination. You shall not make yourselves abominable with any creeping thing that creeps, nor shall you make yourselves unclean with them, lest you be defiled by them. For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law of the animals, and the birds and every living creature that moves in the waters, and of every creature that creeps on the earth, to distinguish between the unclean and the clean, and between the animal that may be eaten and the animal that may not be eaten. Oh, great Heavenly Father God, we do praise you that you have ordered our our lives and our times, that this is where we would be this day. We do thank you, oh Lord, for this day that you call us to turn aside, that you call us to to fix ourselves upon you, upon your word. We do pray, oh Lord, that you would help us to put aside the distractions and cares of the world, that you would help us to come and listen and be instructed by you, the Lord of heaven and earth, the one that made all of the the creatures in all the earth. Father, we do pray, O Lord, as we consider this text, we pray, O Lord, that you would would bless the, the preaching of your word, that you would bless us by your spirit through Mr. Horn. We do pray, O Lord, that you would help us in our understanding, that you would help us to understand how you would would desire to separate a people unto yourself and all the things that are pictured here. Help us, O oh Lord, how to understand how to live as a holy people, a people set apart unto you. Father, we do pray that you would you would teach us this day, that you would have mercy upon us, that you would you would help us in the hearing of your word to grow, to be washed, to be renewed in our mind. Father, we do Pray, O oh Lord, that you would do this now. Pray this in Jesus' name. So as we continue to go over this chapter, over these verses, where God is describing how to separate between the holy and the unholy, and to separate between the clean and the unclean, he's commanding people in this passage to be holy. But then he's using the clean and the unclean as an example of how to be holy. So we should understand the difference between being holy and being clean. Remember back in chapter 10, Aaron, in verses 9 through 11, Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that you may distinguish between the holy and the unholy and between unclean and clean, that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. So they were to distinguish, and I think it would be better translated divide, because that's what the word really means, between the holy and the unholy and between the clean and the unclean. So to be holy means to be consecrated to God, to be set apart to God, to be dedicated to God. And to be unholy means to be of this world, to be common, to be, that's how it's typically translated, as common. It means that it's, it's earthy. It's not that it's sinful, it's that it's not, it's not pointing towards heaven, it's not dedicated to, to, to heavenly things. So food is, is unholy because you eat it. It's not, it's not because there's something wrong with it. Because to be holy is to say this is dedicated to God. His people are to be holy because they're to be dedicated to God. 
So in other words, there's clean and unclean animals, but by their nature, none of them are holy. None of them are dedicated to God until they're set up to be sacrifices. That's when they become holy. So when we're talking about clean and unclean animals, we're not saying that the cow's holier than the pig. No, we're saying the cow's clean because it's, it's giving a picture that's different than the picture that the, that the pig is giving. This works for the same for bread in 1 Samuel 21, 4 and 5. It uses both those same words. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. If the young men have at least kept themselves from women. Then David answered the priest and said, Truly women have been kept from us about three days since I came out. And the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in the vessel this day. So this is on the Sabbath day, and, and they're swapping out the show bread. And the priest says, this bread is holy. And David says, no, this bread is unholy. Not that it's like rotten or anything. It's just no longer consecrated to God. Not that he's making a good argument, by the way. Moses says that it can only be eaten by priests because it is still holy. But David's making the argument that this is now common. Not that it went from being righteous to being unrighteous. It went from being dedicated to God to not being dedicated to God. That's why it went from being holy to unholy, or as it's translated here, common. So the priest says you know, this, that he has no common bread, that he has no bread that's just regular bread. All he has is this bread that is dedicated to God. And David says, ah, that's really just common too. So when we think, be holy for I am holy, remember what that means. That means be dedicated to God. That's what it means to be holy. To be dedicated to God. If all you're doing is fixed and looking and viewing things of this world, you're not holy. Because you're common. You're of this world. So when we think of being a living sacrifice, right? The animals were unclean until they became a sacrifice, or unholy until they became a sacrifice. That's when they, were, they became a holy animal. And we're the same way. When we're a living sacrifice, when our life is not about ourselves, when our life is not about fulfilling our desires on this earth, that's when we're a living sacrifice. That's when we're holy. That's what it looks like. That's the picture. And obviously God's holy because he is, he's here to glorify himself. He came, he took on flesh to glorify the Father. It's, it says in John twelve twenty eight, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Even God is consecrated to glorifying himself. He is holy because his focus is on him. He's not, his focus is not on mankind. God saves a people to himself. He makes a holy people for his own glory. Then clean and unclean, on the other hand, there's animals and a cow's clean, even though it's not holy. It's not consecrated to God. It's not set apart, but it's still clean. So clean and holy are not synonyms. Animals are clean because they're a picture of righteousness. Animals are unclean because they're a picture of unrighteousness. A cow is no less common than a pig. They're both unholy animals. The cow can be a sacrifice, in which case it becomes holy. But in general, a cow and a pig are both equally unholy. So how do these two tie together then? Those who are perfectly holy... They walk in righteousness. Do not be deceived. Those who practice righteousness are righteous. So cleanliness is a sign of holiness. It is not holiness. Those who are perfectly holy, those who are completely dedicated to God, they are also sinless. And yes, no one will be sinless until Christ returns and removes all our sin. But sin is missing that mark of righteousness, that mark of obedience to God. And so a Christian walks in cleanliness, but occasionally becomes unclean, which is the picture throughout the rest of Leviticus. Is that we keep becoming unclean, that you do things that, that 
because you are in this world, you will become unclean. That does not make you unholy. That does not make you common if you are still dedicated to God. So those who are holy walk in cleanness. Not in perfect cleanness, but they walk fulfilling the picture of righteousness. And in the New Covenant, right, they're given this and they're told to do this and they're supposed to see through this and understand that he's not talking about ox. Any more that he was talking about ox when he says, do not muzzle the ox when he treads out the grain. He's talking about people. But they were to physically maintain this picture of, of eating an ox and not eating a pig so that they would physically keep this picture in front of them. But they had the responsibility to be holy. In the New Covenant, we don't, have, we don't need the physical picture anymore. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the example of Christ, we can understand what it means to be clean. So our focus is not on the physical pictures. Our focus is not on not eating bacon and not joining with the picture of unrighteousness. Our focus is to be not joining with unrighteousness rather than just not joining with the picture of unrighteousness. Because now we have more knowledge. We have more understanding. We have truth given to us by the Holy Spirit. So in this passage, Israel was commanded to be holy, to dedicate themselves to God. And the way that they were to dedicate themselves to God, the way that they were supposed to say, you are my God, was by eating only clean animals, by making a division, by, by separating those who are clean from those who are unclean. They were to see the, the difference, so the difference in the pictures, so that there would be a difference in their lives. Now we're supposed to, through, again, through the example of Jesus Christ, walking in perfect righteousness, walking as perfectly clean, and the people rejecting him and attacking him that claimed that they were holy, that claimed that they, they were the high priest of Israel, but yet they crucified him because they weren't clean. They weren't holy. So we have a much better understanding of what it means to be holy than Israel did through Christ and through how he was crucified and through the coming of the Holy Spirit that has promised that it will convict us of sin. He promises that he will make this division that they did not make in the Old Covenant. The division between the clean and the unclean. So we need to see the spiritual differences and not just think that he's talking about fish. Because yes, he's talking about fish, but fish is just a picture of what it looks like to walk in righteousness. So we can check to see if we're holy. Because those who are holy walk in righteousness. Not with perfection, but with practice. Leviticus 41-43 through 43. And every creeping thing that creeps on the earth shall be an abomination. It shall not be eaten. Whatever crawls on its belly, whatever goes on all fours, or whatever has many feet among all creeping things that creep on the earth... These you shall not eat, for they are an abomination. You shall not make yourselves abominable with any creeping thing that creeps, nor shall you make yourselves unclean with them, lest you be defiled by them. So in every creeping thing, God has discussed beasts of the fields, animals in the, air, in the sea, birds in the air, flying insects that go on four legs, animals with paws, creeping things that creep on all fours. And now he comes to these. He comes to the last category. If it's on the earth, if, it, if it's down on the earth so that it doesn't even stand up and rise up on the, off of the earth with its legs, then it's unclean. Every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, anything that's found bound to the earth. So think about this. The picture of holiness is you're dedicated to God. The picture of the creeping things that are down on the earth they have no concept of God. You have the birds of the air. The picture is they, they understand that there's something beyond the earth, the dirt in front of them. The fish of the sea, they're not down on the dirt. Even the insects, they're not down on the dirt. And then you come to this last category, all it can see is the earth. That's all it has. So it's the picture of not having a sense, of understanding that there's greater things, there's... There's things of God. There's not just the physical things of the earth. The things that creep on the earth are a picture of just seeing the physical 
and not having any understanding of the spiritual. And so that's an abomination. Remember that word abomination means that's filth. They are filth. So this is a physical picture of James 3, 13 through 16. Who is wise and understanding among you, let him show by good conduct that his works were done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For wherever, where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. That's what this is a picture of. This is a picture of, of just having a view of earth, just having a view of the world around you. This is the Sadducees. The Sadducees talked about God, but they didn't believe there was a resurrection. All they thought about was this earth. That's what they had a focus on, was the earth, and nothing beyond the earth. That's the picture of something that creeps on its belly. That it's demonic and earthly. That it doesn't have any heavenly focus. That it has no no holiness to it. Not having a focus on anything beyond the here and now, beyond the worldly things. In the eyes of God, that's an abomination. That's rejecting your creator. That's filth. And it shall not be eaten. The picture of eating, again, is is joining with that thing. We don't need to worry about physically joining when you eat it because God said that picture's gone away, that that was done away with in Christ. But we do need to be concerned about spiritually joining with those who creep on the earth. That's what Jude warns about in, in verses 20 through 23. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourself, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. We're not supposed to join with those things that creep on the earth. We are supposed to try to deliver them. We are supposed to preach the gospel. We're supposed to deliver them. But if their focus is on the earth, do not join with them or you'll be taken down with them. That's the picture of them eating worms and eating snakes and eating lizards and other things that creep on their belly. So whatever crawls on its belly, this would be anything. It doesn't matter if it has legs. The issue is not the legs. The issue is, is is it's resting all its weight on the ground. Whether it's a snake or a lizard, but yeah, they move with their legs, but most of their weight, they're not up on their legs. Their weight is down on the ground. If it crawls on its belly, that's the picture of being earthly. That's the picture of not being spiritual. And it obviously ties back to Satan and the curse that was put upon him after Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in Genesis 3.14. So the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat eat dust all the days of your life. That's the picture. So when James writes that it's earthly, it's demonic, That's the picture, Satan crawling on his belly. It's earthly, it's demonic. When you say there is no God, when when Satan said to, to Eve, has God really said that? You'll be like God, which is to deny that there is a God. And that's earthly and sensual and demonic. Whatever goes on all fours doesn't matter how they go about. The issue is whether they're on their belly or not. The issue is if they have no separation from the world, not if they can move, but if they have no separation from the world. Or whatever has many feet, like a centipede with many feet. The picture of having many feet is there's still all this connection to the world. They're supported by the earth at many points. They're not really rising above the earth. Even if their belly's not dragging on the ground, they're still a picture of everything being about this world and nothing about holiness, nothing about God, nothing about separation towards God. So among all the creeping things, we're to rise above the mundane, we're supposed to see a higher purpose, the purposes for which God made things in that earthly thing. But among all the creeping things, like when you lift up a rock and you see the bugs under that rock that are crawling on their belly, We're supposed to look at that and say, this is what walking in the flesh looks like. This is what it looks like. It's an abomination. 
among all creeping things that creep on the earth. We're not to join with them. Those who are focused just on this earth, you shall not eat. These you shall not eat. You're not allowed to take and take them inside of you, to take them, you know, that, that picture that Christ says that, I, that we abide in him and he abides in us. You're not supposed to do that with something that creeps on the earth. You're not supposed to join with them and become one with them. You shall not make yourself abomination, for they are an abomination. They are filthy, and when you join with them, you become filthy. You're not like Christ. Christ, when he touched the unclean, he could make it clean. The unclean makes us unclean. If they're an abomination, you shall not make yourselves abominable. We become abominable when we embrace abominations. In the Old Testament, that was when they ate them. In the New Covenant, this is when we take and join with them, and we take on the spiritual characteristics of them, and we become the abomination like them. When we forget God and just look at the things of the earth and just consider the things of the earth, that's the opposite of being holy. That's being unclean. That's being an abomination. So you shall not make yourselves abominable with any creeping thing that creeps. When we join with that thing, when we make them part of us, when we go along with their ways, when we accept their worldview, when we don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes, instead we just embrace what he's saying, that's an abomination in the sight of God. Nor shall you make yourselves unclean with them. Beyond eating them, which makes you an abomination, just handling them makes you unclean as well. Maybe you don't partake of their seeking the world But if you don't separate yourself from those who seek the world, if you don't make a difference between them and yourself, you become defiled by them. This is a picture of 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. If all you're doing is handling, if all you're doing is walking around with people that all their focus is the world, don't deceive yourself. You will be defiled by them. You will... Lose a heavenly focus. You will start to just focus on the things of this earth. That's why maintaining the Sabbath day is so important. Because in the Sabbath day, there's a point where you, you move away and you separate yourselves from walking on this earth and say there's something more important. There's heavenly things that are more important than any earthly thing. And so we can make ourselves unclean if all we do is hang around with people that don't think there is a God, that do not see anything beyond this world, that's what our view will become more and more like and we will become unclean. Just saying, you know, well, I'm not going to do what they do, but you hang around with them, that's enough to corrupt the way you think, the way you look at the world. Don't deceive yourself how easy it is to become unclean by being around those who are an abomination in the sight of God. So lest you be defiled by them, we need to work to not be defiled. God's not saying that that they have to do specific things to defile you and watch out for what they do. He's saying just handling them, just being near them, just by touching them, we can become defiled by them. When we touch things that are focused on this earth, God keeps warning us because it happens so frequently. It happens in the church constantly that we get defiled by the world because we want to handle what the world has. So it adopts the ways of the world. Whether it's music or marketing techniques, it gets defiled by the world because it doesn't say we should focus on God. It starts to focus on the world. And so many errors in the church that happen in the church, it's because we don't worry about handling unclean things. We don't think we can be defiled by unclean things. And the reality is we can be defiled by unclean things. We're supposed to treat them as an abomination. Instead, we go, oh, well, they're good in their place, so they'll be good in church. And we lose holiness because we don't care about being defiled. Which means that you'll stop looking towards God and you'll start more and more looking towards this earth. Verses 44 and 45. 
For I am the Lord your God, you shall therefore consecrate yourselves. And you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. He says, for I am the Lord your God. If God is your God, then it means that there's real changes in behavior. There's real things that you have to do. And he's giving all these examples of clean animals versus unclean animals so that we can understand what it takes, what it looks like to have God as your God. If God is your God, you don't defile yourself with earthly things. You keep a heavenly focus. You don't pretend like the earth is all that it is. God is a jealous God and he's instructing the Israelites who consider themselves not just to be the picture of righteousness, but to actually be righteous. That for God to be their God, for him to continue to go with them. Remember, this is all in the context of he, he not that many days before, Moses was at the top of Mount Sinai and said, and God says, I won't go with you. If I go with you, I'll break out and I'll destroy all of you. My wrath will break out. And God's saying, this is what you have to do so my wrath doesn't break out. For him to be their God, you shall therefore, if they wanted him to be their God, there had to be a response to that. You don't just say that and continue to walk as you did before. That's not who God is. That's not what God does when he gives you faith. He causes you to walk in a different way. So if the Lord your God is your God, then you shall therefore, there is something that you have to do. You have to have a response. It's not just saying something about God. It's not just saying, I believe in Jesus Christ that makes the Lord your God. Habakkuk. Habakkuk 2.4 says, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. That's the tie between the clean and the, and the holy. Those who are just, those who are right with God, those who have a Godward focus, they live by their faith. Their actions change. The things that they do change. They walk in righteousness. The just don't just go, oh, I live by my profession. No, you live according to your faith. You live your life by that faith. And to live by that faith means you consecrate yourselves. When they make the choice to believe in God, when they say, this is my God, those who say, this is my God, say, God is holy, so therefore I must be holy for him to be my God. They live by their faith. Their faith produces certain consequences in them. They go, God is holy, therefore I must be holy if I'm going to approach God. Who can approach God? Those who have a holy hand. So Habakkuk, immediately after that verse, uses the example of the pride get drunk and the righteous don't. The righteous live by their faith so they don't get drunk. They consecrate themselves. They separate themselves from the world. The holy work to be clean, not in the physical sense of the Old Testament, like not eating pork. And of course, this was true for them. They had a real responsibility to walk in holiness before God. And the faithful always understood that. You know, David writes, God doesn't want sacrifices. Hosea writes that God wants people that have, that do justly and love mercy and walk humbly before God. Solomon writes, fear God and keep his commandments. This is man's all. It's never been about sacrifices. It's never been about what you ate. God gave these pictures of what they were to eat so that they could understand how to consecrate themselves. They could understand how to to walk in righteousness because that's what it means to be holy. Is that the working out of being holy as you walk in righteousness. So God gave these pictures, but what he desired was for the pictures to be fulfilled, not for people just to to keep the picture. And so in the New Covenant, through the greater revelation of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we have a greater understanding, a greater responsibility to understand how to consecrate ourselves. 
how to be a holy people. We don't need to maintain the physical shadows as they did, but we still have a duty to maintain the spiritual substance, a greater duty than they did. Because too much is given, much is expected. So consecrate yourselves and you shall be holy. The Hebrew is not implying that, that they can become holy by consecrating themselves. The Hebrew is more saying the consecrated are holy. Consecrate yourselves because the consecrated are holy. The ones that have God as their God, they're holy. That is, that is what it means to have God as your God. You're a living sacrifice. You're holy. And if you're not that, God is not your God. But we consecrate ourselves because that's how we know whether we're holy or not. Are we putting away the things of this world? Are we putting away sin? Are we just walking according to the ways of this world? In which case, we're not consecrated. In which case, God is not our God. So we are to be holy. The consecration reveals that state. They took on the physical picture of the foods that they ate which they continued to do even now, but it was never sufficient to make God their God because the Jews continue to eat kosher. And yeah, they've twisted the food laws, but a lot of the food laws, they still obey and they've added to them. But in the end, that didn't make God their God because all they had was the physical picture. They didn't have the spiritual reality. Those who have the spiritual reality, those are the ones that have God as their God. Those who are truly holy. So God has made it clear they're not his people because they wouldn't provide him with the fruits of righteousness. So he took the kingdom from them and gave it to others. So consecration is not about the food laws directly. The food laws were to give understanding of what it took for a people to be the people of God, to truly be spiritually holy, to truly be clean, to truly be walking in righteousness. And it didn't have to do with the food they ate. It had to do with their obedience to God. For I'm holy. Because God is holy. Because he's not earthly. Because he's not of this earth. He's not a creeping thing that creeps on the earth. For because he is separated from this world. Because he's glorifying himself. If we want that God to be our God. We must be holy. Without holiness no one will see God. So, for I am holy, neither shall you defile yourself. They were not to physically defile themselves by having an earthward focus with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. They weren't to associate with the earthly things. And so God is tying these two things together. They're not to eat the creeping things, for I am the Lord. Because he's the self-existent one. He's the one who is and was and always will be. I am the one who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of Egypt. Remember, he's talking to, to Moses and Aaron. It's been about a year, a little over a year since they left, left Egypt, since the Exodus. And so he's still in the process of bringing you up. I'm, who brings you up? He's still in the process of bringing them to the promised land. It's still not complete, and it won't be complete for 39 years, but Moses and Aaron don't know that at this point. But he's saying eating the creeping things, being associated with the earthly things, is like still being in the land of Egypt. Right? And if we know the pictures, the land of Egypt is where you're a slave to sin. Where you have Satan as your master. That's the picture of Egypt. It's the picture of, of, it's the picture of being dead in your sins and trespasses. It's the picture of of rejecting God, of not seeing who God is. And then God reaches in and God delivers you. That's salvation. And he's saying, if you eat creeping things, it's like you're going back to Egypt. You're going back to wanting the world. You want the, the riches of the world, the pleasures of this world, rather than wanting God as your God. Eating creeping things is being associated with the earth, which is like being in Egypt. Egypt is a picture of being carnal, not having an understanding of spiritual things, being dead in your sins and trespasses, being earthly, sensual, demonic in your understanding. And so they were not to eat things that crept on the earth, because when they do, they're going to, back to that picture of being in Egypt. 
they're going to, back to that picture of Pharaoh being their God, of Satan being their God, rather than God being their God. And God had delivered them from that so that he would be their God. He didn't just deliver them so that they would, their oppression would end. He didn't just deliver them so they could move out of Egypt and they could have, have their own land. He did it so that, they could, so that he could be their God. He delivered them so that they could be holy, so that they could be consecrated from somebody that's not of this earth. To deliver them to a better ruler, to a better Lord, to a holy God. But if they wanted him as their Lord, if they wanted him as their God, you shall therefore be holy. They had to be holy people. He cannot have his people not be a holy people because he is a holy God. Consider this picture, and it goes back to Genesis 3. The picture is Adam is, is there without a bride, and he searches the whole world. He checks every animal in the world, and he can't find a, a helpmeet that's comparable to him. And so then God takes a rib out, and he, he makes Eve. That's what God is doing. That's what he's doing with the church. You cannot have God as your God unless you are holy. He's looking around and he's going, well, these people, the Israelites, they're not comparable to me. They go and commit adultery with every stick and stone. They're not comparable to me. And so he divorces them and he marries the church. And he makes the church. The church will be holy because he is making someone who is comparable to him. Someone who can join with him. Just like Adam and Eve joined together, that's the picture of what God is doing with the church. And so the church must be holy because if it's not holy, God failed to do what he did. He failed to produce a a bride for his son that was comparable to him because God's most outstanding, most different characteristic is his holiness. He is holy, holy, holy. And because of that, he has to prepare prepare a bride that is holy. His people must be holy because he is holy. Verses 46 and 47. This is the law of the animals and the birds and every living creature that moves on the waters and of every creature that creeps on the earth to distinguish between the unclean and the clean and between the animal that may be eaten and the animal that may not be eaten. So... After saying, I am holy, be holy because I am holy, he then reminds you of the animals because God's saying the animals are just the picture. This is the law of the animals. God has given these laws. He's given the commandments. But when we read these commandments and we know it from Act 10, he's not talking about animals. He's making it so that we can understand who is right with God and who is not right with God. Or at least know those who are not right with God. Because it's hard to tell if something's holy. But it's not that hard to tell if it's clean or unclean. The works of the flesh are evident. The works of the spirit are evident, the Bible says. So he created all these animals, all this diversity of animals that we see around him. He created them so that we could understand what it looks like to sin, what it looks like to be slaves of sin. He gave all these different examples because there's all different ways that men are slaves of sin. And then he said, here's spiritual truths that you can see from those animals that I created. This is the law of the animals. Those who chew the cud and those who have a cloven hoof, they're the clean animals. They're the ones that are pictures of those who walk in righteousness. They're the ones who are pictures of those who are holy. And of the birds, think of all the different kinds of birds. There's not many on that list that could not be eaten. Because remember the birds, they're the ones that are above the earth. That's the picture of a bird, is above the earth. But yet even those who appear to be above the earth, even those who appear to have such a spiritual focus, Remember all those birds that we went, well, that one's unclean, and that one's unclean, and that one's unclean, and all their names were derived from things that were earthly. It's a picture of somebody that looks like they have a heavenly focus, but their focus is really on the earth. That's what the birds are this picture of. It's the picture of the, the church and the, those who are defiled in the church, 
who look like they're holy, who look that they have a focus on something other than this world, but in the end, they're still focused on this world. So we should see in that list of the birds that could not be eaten, the picture of peoples, people who appear to be saved, seem to have a perspective that, that, does, that moves them beyond the physical things of this earth, the physical things that are in front of them, but they're really still just of this world. When we see the birds flying in the air, the church should be reminded that they will be false professors in their midst. And of everything that living creature that moves in the waters, another picture of moving contrary to the world, being above the earth, not down in the, the silt that's at the bottom of the, the stream or the lake. But if you appear to be above the world, but yet you go along with the world, you're not holy. You're still earthly. Being holy means that you will go against the world. You will resist the pressure of being conformed to the world. We must not be conformed to the world because God is holy. And so therefore we have to be holy. So we can't just be conformed to the world. And of every creature that creeps on the earth, all those things that could only understand and see earthly things and only concerned about the things in front of them, rather than considering God, none of them are clean. Unless you are seeking of things above, unless you are focused on holy things, on focused on God, as Paul says in Galatians 5, 19 and 21, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the picture of all those things that creep on the earth. They just want earthly things. They just want, they just want the things that are related to the earth. You know, from envy, jealousies, right? These aren't even, we look at them and say, why are these such great sins? Well, they're such great sins because they have, there's no God involved. You're not thinking about who God is. That's the picture of the creeping things. So God has given these pictures so that people can understand this is what it looks like to be holy. This is what it looks like to walk in righteousness. If you're focused on this world, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. If your goals, if your, your hopes are in this world, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So God named all these animals to distinguish between the clean, unclean and the clean. And that word that gets translated distinguished, that can make it almost sound like it's just this, some intellectual exercise that you look at it and you can tell the difference. The Hebrew word means more to divide, to create a difference between, to separate them. This is what Christ was fulfilling when he said in Luke 12, 51 through 53, do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all but rather division. For from now on, five and one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, Mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Jesus Christ said, I came to be to divide. He's a high priest. Of course he came to be to divide. What, what God said to Aaron when he became high priest is you have to divide between the holy and the unholy. So Christ comes and what does he do? He divides between the holy and the unholy. And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to divide between the clean and the unclean. We're not just to go, it's okay, it's acceptable. We're supposed to be dividing between the clean and the unclean. Remember, this is not about holiness directly this is about uncleanness this is about separating the unrighteous from the church we can't tell if people have actually dedicated themselves to god but we can look at their behavior and we can divide between those who walk in righteousness and those who don't walk in righteousness when we see the practice of sin and say someone is is common is unclean unholy that's what we're supposed to say we can see that. When somebody looks clean, we can't know if they're right with God, but we can know if they're walking in the flesh. Paul, just where I read from Galatians three 5, he says it's evident. You can tell. 
when somebody is unholy, when they're common, when they're not set apart to God. And we're supposed to be making that division between those who walk in righteousness and those who walk in unrighteousness. That's what we've been given to, to make a division between. Not whether they're, a, you know, the, the parable of the ten virgins, where five have oil and five don't. That's not what we're supposed to distinguish with. Between, because that's distinguishing between the holy and the unholy. What we're supposed to distinguish is whether they have garments of white or not, whether they're practicing righteousness. That's external. You may not be able to see inside the lamp, but you can see if they're wearing garments that are covered with black or if they're clean. And that's what we're supposed to do. That's what he's commanding Israel to do. That's what he's saying priests do. That's what we're supposed to do. We're to make a division between the unclean and the clean. In between the animal, and we're supposed to do it by understanding these pictures because God says we're supposed to be separating the clean from the unclean and he gave us these animals and he told them don't eat these things because they were supposed to make that separation. But we're supposed to look at them and make that separation. The pictures that, that drove all this variation, all these different creatures of living creatures throughout the earth that God gave it so that we can make a difference so that we can tell what may be eaten and what animal may not be eaten, to be a picture of what is clean and what is unclean. God has not left us without testimony. He left it throughout the whole world. When we see birds, when we see animals, when we see cows in the field, when we see the, the things that creep under the rock, we're supposed to look at that and say, this means we're supposed to be discerning between the clean and the unclean, between those who are whole, those who are have the potential for being holy, and those who are just earthly, sensual, demonic, like the wisdom that comes from this earth, because they can't see anything beyond it. So let me give you some applications. First is we need to have a heavenly focus. It's easy for us to creep on the ground. That's the natural thing for man to do. And when we're saved, when God renews our mind, when he, he gives us a heart of flesh, when he writes his law upon us, upon our hearts, we still have an old man that wants to creep on the ground. It's so easy to be focused on the things that are here and now. There are earthly things that we have to deal with every day. And it's not bad to deal with them, right? He who does not provide for his own is worse than an infidel, the Bible says. So it's not bad to deal with those earthly things, but our focus can't just be on those earthly things. Those who are holy, they have to have a vision beyond that. They still have to deal with the fleshly things, but they have to see something beyond that. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 through 33. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the churches of God or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Paul, in everything that he was doing, he wasn't looking for what will benefit him. He was looking for what would benefit others, what would cause them to be saved. Even whatever he ate, whatever he drank, we're supposed to do it all as a holy people, as a people who have been dedicated to God. And when we forget those things, when we make it about how, oh, this food is delicious, let's figure out how to make the best food and spend all our time on that, rather than figuring out how do I use this to bring glory and honor to God. Then our focus is in the wrong place. Those who, have, those who are Christ, they have a heavenly focus. Whatever you eat, whatever you drink, do it to the glory of God. Do it in holiness. When you deal with other people, like we all have to deal with other people, are you dealing with them with a hope that they'll be saved? Or is your focus just to to get by, just to, to have the earthly focus? Christians need to fulfill the picture of not being a creeping thing on the earth, and the way you do that is your focus is beyond. All the snake sees is that earth right there. You have a focus beyond that. That's what Paul commands us in 1 Corinthians. That's what this picture is in Leviticus 11. Another application. Things that intentionally say there is no God. 
Some examples I can think of is evolution, climate change. Both of these, they just reject God. They say man is in control of the temperature. They say chaos is in control of what, what creatures exist. Understand, those are creeping things that creep on the earth. And it's serious sin to follow down those paths. It's serious sin because you're rejecting the idea that God is there. You're rejecting the idea that God made things for a purpose. You become like the creeping thing. It's serious sin to, to fall down the, follow down these paths that, that treat the earth like it is the end, that treat the universe like it is the end, the beginning and the end. Having that physical view of the universe is the view of something that creeps on the earth. When we're saved, our lenses change. We have a broader view. We can see it in its place. We don't just see it all about the things on the earth. And so when we look towards worldly explanations, when we look towards worldly solutions, rather than saying, what is God doing? We're being like the things that creep on the earth. Our wisdom has become earthly, sensual, demonic, to quote James. As Christians, we need to not just go, you know, the earth is getting hotter, if the earth is getting hotter, which is very debatable. If the earth is getting hotter, what we should be saying is, what is God doing? Not, what is man doing, but what is God doing? The things that are earthly, they go, what is man doing? We need to be saying, what is God doing? Another application, we become abominations in the sight of God. Those who appear holy, not those who he set apart, but those who, who have believed enough to seek to be set apart. They can become earthly. And that's the picture that Christ gives in the parable of the sower. In Mark four sixteen through 19, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are those who are sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in to choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. That's what it looks like to become abomination. In the one case, they're afraid of what's going to happen to them, so they're looking just toward the world. They're not looking towards God. So then they fear the persecution. They say, what can happen to me? There's no one to protect me. They become earthly, sensual, demonic. Or they can, on the other hand, they can, they can just start to, to care about things in the world rather than caring about things of God. That's the same picture. When you forget who God is, when you forget that we're supposed to be a people that are set apart or consecrated to God, to serve God as slaves of righteousness, that's how you get defiled. And so Jesus, in giving the parable of the sower, he's giving this picture of, of how this comes to pass, how you can get defiled by the creeping things of the earth. So watch out for getting defiled by the creeping things of the earth, because Jesus didn't just choose these examples going, this doesn't happen. He chose these examples because it happens. And so we need to watch for it happening in our own lives. These are ways to become abominations, the the New Testament equivalent of eating things that crawl on the earth, where your focus gets taken off of God and you just start to worry about earthly things. Another application, remember how Peter applies this verse, verse 44, in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. You know, Peter's response to these verses is the same thing that I've been saying. God gave you all these animals. He gave you all these examples so that you could walk in righteousness. So that you would not conform yourselves to your former lusts when you were ignorant. But that you do things the way God would have you to do. God created animals so that we could see the picture. So we could understand how we're supposed to behave. 
So we need to actively work to sanctify ourselves, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that has been brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's how to be a clean animal. That's how not to be defiled by the world. We don't earn salvation through sanctification, but those who, are, are, those who have sal- salvation, they are sanctified. They are made holy. They are made consecrated to God. And so we should work on that in ourselves, to walk in holiness, to walk not just with an intellectual assent, but the reality of a faith that we live by. Another application. It takes real work to be holy. It takes real work to rise above this world. Revelation 12, or excuse me, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. To not be like the creeping things of the earth, you have to renew your mind. We start out as sinners. We start out as dead in our sins and trespasses when God saves us. He gives us a new heart. He makes us a new man, but we still have the old man. We still have the old man that wants to creep on the earth. And so we have to fight it. We have to work against it. And one of the ways we have to work against it is we have to be thinking differently. Because our our, our knee-jerk reaction is to think like we thought before, which is to think like the world thinks and see everything in the context of the world. But when we're saved, we have to renew our mind. That's how we consecrate ourselves, one of the ways. That's how we're conformed to Christ. Rather than being conformed to the world, is that we renew our mind. And so I think that's why the clean animals, this chapter starts with the clean animals of the field. Because they have to have a cloven hoof. They have to have this picture of a citizenship in both heaven and earth. That that's where they're resting. They have to chew the cud. You cannot have your mind renewed by the word of God unless you, or you cannot be holy and you must be holy. And that comes through meditation on the word of God, on renewing your mind so that you're conformed to Christ. If you're not looking at the scriptures, if you're not studying the scriptures, if you're not meditating on the scriptures, you should doubt whether you're holy. Because how can you know what holiness is? How can you know what walking in righteousness is? Unless you study the scriptures to see what it says, how can you be an acceptable bride or part of the acceptable bride to Christ if you don't desire holiness? And the only way to be conformed to Christ, the only way to be holy, is by studying and knowing and understanding his word and and renewing your thoughts so you think differently about the world. Another application. The role of the church and the role of believers is still to make a division between those who practice righteousness and those who don't. 1 John 3, 7 and 8, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. When the church fails to divide between the clean and the unclean, People get a very wrong view of God. They forget that he is holy. They start to think that he can be handled. They start to think that they can draw near to him. They start to think that he's desperate for them. But he's a holy God. And when the church says there's no division between the clean and the unclean, it ends up being that everybody looks at God and thinks God can be unholy that he can be defiled by those who are unclean because he's so desperate to join with them that he doesn't care that they're unclean. That is not the God of Scripture. The God of Scripture is he can join with them because he cleans them up. He makes them holy. He makes them dedicated to God. He makes them servants of righteousness. He makes them his slaves. That's the picture of Scripture. But when the church doesn't make a difference between the holy and the unholy, people start to forget that is the actual God who is. So for the sake of the name of God, we have a responsibility to divide between the clean and the unclean. 
In Isaiah 11, it talks about the glory of the gospel. Isaiah 11, 9 through 10. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day there shall be a root of Jesse who will stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him and the resting place shall be glorious. If we aren't making the knowledge of the Lord understood, if we are not making the holiness of God understood, then the kingdom of God isn't advancing. Because it advances to the point where the whole world is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That's what it's advancing to. And when we say, God will accept anyone, not that God makes a division between the clean and the unclean, then we're fighting against God and fighting against what God is doing because he's filling the earth with the knowledge of himself as the waters cover the sea. So the church must divide between the clean and the unclean. Another application, the summary of this chapter after listing all of these different animals, is to consecrate yourself. Put on the pictures of cleanliness, the pictures of righteousness, the righteous chew the cud. Are you meditating on the word of God? Not just read it, not just go through some, some form where you're reading it and you read through it in some period, but are you actually thinking about what it says? You have a cloven hoof, you see that, yes, you're a citizen on earth, but you're also in heaven? Do you live like that? Do you have fins and scales? Do you just go with the flow of the world? Do you just accept the things that the world is doing around you and go that way, or do you go against the world? And let's be serious. You can go with the world in a church where you're just going along with the people in the church, but you're really just going along with the world. You've just chosen a different world. Are you actually following Christ? and going the way that you think Christ says, this is what obedience looks like. The animals of the sea that were clean were those that had fish and scales, or fins and scales, those who actually would swim against the current. And they also had the armor of God, that picture of the breastplate of righteousness. That's how Christians go against the world, girded by the belt of truth. These are the things that we need to be able to go contrary to what the world says. Is that why you do what you do? Is that why you do? Because there's plenty of people who, who go against the world and they swim upstream, but they do it just because of pride or just because of arrogance or they hate being told what to do. Or do you do it because you've been girded by the belt of truth? Are you doing it because you have the breastplate of righteousness? Those who are, are right, those who are clean, they soar above the world. They don't walk according to the flesh. Think about the way that God made it evident through all those various birds, all the, the names that they derive from that we don't even know what the bird is, but they derive from all these things that are fleshly, all these things that are pictures of, of fleshly sins. You can be in church, you can do all these things, you can make a profession of faith, you can preach the gospel, you can do all these kind of things, but if you're a slave of sin, you're not righteous. It's that simple. All those acts won't save you. They won't make you holy. The birds that are soaring above the world that look like they're so, so separate from the world if their focus is still on the world. The man who preaches the gospel so that people applaud him, he shouldn't think he's clean because he wants the things of the world rather than the things of God. It's not just the walk on the earth and that look earthly. It's those who maybe look like they have a heavenly focus, but their focus is really on earthly things. Make sure you're not that. There's a lot of people that come to church because they want their problems fixed. They go, here's where the answers are. So they go to church. I've known a lot of people like that through my life. And I'll tell you what. It doesn't work. I mean, it can fix things short term. But in the end, you have to be holy. You have to see heavenly things. You have to see greater things. Because it doesn't matter if you're soaring above, if all you're doing is looking down instead of looking towards God. They don't just walk on the earth. Remember the the grasshoppers, the, the locusts that had legs to jump. Those who are on the earth that are trying to escape the earth That's the picture of the clean. Those who are just 
crawling on the earth, but have no desire to escape it. They're unclean. For those who are trying to get away from the sun, you know, I've heard many people say to me, oh, I'm wrestling with that sin. And it's like, really? Are you just embracing it while you pretend like you're trying to get rid of it? Actually fighting against sin is a picture of salvation. Just accepting it and wallowing it is not a picture of salvation. The picture of somebody who's fighting against sin, that's the picture of the locust. That he's trying to get out of it. He's trying to jump higher. He's trying to escape it. And God says they're clean. But if you just wallow in the mire, you're not, you're not clean. And the last application, those who are part of the invisible church, those who have true saving faith, they walk in that faith, and they're holy, and they walk in, in righteousness. Because without holiness, it's not possible to be part of the bride of Christ. Christ is making a bride that is comparable to him. Not comparable in power, not comparable in, in wisdom. But he's making a bride that is as holy as he is. And he'll remove all her corruption. But he starts that when he brings you into the bride. It is not possible to be part of the invisible church of Christ without holiness. God sent his spirit to make a holy people. And yet, while we know the order, faith comes before works, it's impossible to separate walking in holiness from being part of the bride of Christ True faith causes you to walk in it. The bride is holy through the word of God, and the bride is being made more holy. That's the promise of Ephesians 5. So seek holiness, for without holiness no one will see God. Let me close in prayer. Oh, Lord God, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for this passage. Thank you for these, these weeks that we've spent going over 10 and 11 and the, thinking about clean, being clean and unclean. As we continue through the rest of Leviticus, let us see how important it is to be clean, how important it is to put aside our sin, how important it is to keep our eyes focused on the cross of Jesus Christ, how important it is to not let ourselves be entangled by the cares of this world and instead seek to serve you in everything we do, whether it's eating or drinking, whether it's working with people, whatever we do, let us be thinking about you and about how you will use this for your kingdom rather than for ourselves. Lord, let us be holy. Let us have a a heavenly focus rather than an earthly one. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.